What, what the hell are you yeah. doing? I'm just lifting up my shorts. Oh, God. I need to get some air. Fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry if there's a waft. I don't need to see more of your thigh. My extremely white thigh. Oh, right. Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, the theatrical cut. You're joining us for part two of Comfort Movies. I'm Terry and join, joining with me as always... You're right there, dear. Fuck that. Right, we'll go again. <laughs> join, joining me in the, a rendition of Kumbaya is <laughs> Sonia. Uh. <coughs> oh, God. <laughs> what was that? Shred <laughs> a new octave. <laughs> oh, lol. All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, the theatrical cut. You're joining us for part two of Comfort Movies. I'm Terry and as always I'm joined by Sonia. Hello. How are you? I'm alright since I last saw you. Yeah, I mean what was that, ten minutes ago? When we, to be that, honest we never stopped seeing each other really did we? Except when we went to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> there was very much no seeing of each other we at that, that point. We did that separately. <laughs> Cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> awkward silence. I pissed in the sink past Terry, didn't we? <laughs> oh, you could have gone for the office. You just opened your legs and I pissed through oh, the hole. Oh no, I was trying to. I was trying to recreate that scene from that film you watched, Gambon and Michael Caine. Oh yeah, pissing in the sink when I was in the shower. Oh god. <laughs> That's just everyone loses. That's me having nightmares tonight. <laughs> Images. It's bad enough that I could see your thighs a second ago. Oh, these are beautiful thighs. <laughs> oh, I'm imagining what you look like naked. I'm not. I'm really not. I just sort of see white noise. <laughs> Is it like the um, oh, Black Mirror episode where it's literally just white noise around the person? Hmm. Uh, right, so let's, let's, we definitely need some comfort now, don't we? Yeah. So we've got our top fives to go through and I've got my top five TV then we're going to talk about what the listeners have sent in and then we're going to talk Kex Files and then pull next week's topic out of the hat so we're going to start with my top five so it's I'm excited to hear this because I I thought I could predict your favourite movies and I couldn't because you threw me by talking about one I'd never even heard of before or was that Darkman? I think I know what your number one is yeah maybe so I wouldn't say these are in an order apart from the number one which is my number one comfort film so perhaps that would change your Mm, mind on what I'm going to say I mean a few of these films would also come under my favourite films obviously you talked about Mad Max 1 and 2 would be in your favourite films but not comfort films so I'll start with Top Secret have you seen Top Secret? no I think you've tried to get me to watch it a number of times because it's got uh, Val Kilmer it's in it, Val Kilmer's it? first film um, but I think you actually lent it to me once and I just gave it back saying I ain't fucking watching that you haven't still got it have you because I lost it hard to tell Terry isn't it because I'm kind of living in between two houses at the moment I don't even know I don't know where anything is I keep running out of underwear I have to just go out and buy more because I don't know where my things are and eventually you're going to have such an abundance of underwear I know but you can never have too much underwear uh, so yeah, so Top Secret, as we mentioned, it stars Val Kilmer. So this is a film by the makers of Airplane, The Naked Gun. It's one of those kind of 
And now there's two films that I like a lot. So it's one of those ridiculous OTT comedy films. It's all like sight gags. There's a bit where someone sat and there's a pair of boots on the table and he gets up and the boots stay there. Someone's got their bicycle helmet on. They take the helmet off, but the strap is still on their face. It's just proper OTT stupid comedy and I absolutely love it. So the basic premise, which obviously doesn't make a lot of sense, Val Kilmer plays Nick Riviera, who is basically like an Elvis-type character. It's mm. set during World War Two, and he's been invited to perform at a German concert, essentially, where they're trying to prove that there's nothing going on, like, everything's fine. Hasn't he um, actually played Elvis in a film? He's played um, Jim Morrison. Ah. I don't know if he's played Elvis. He's As Jim was... Morrison in The Doors. No, I would... What about Bubba Hotep? Is that someone? That's Bruce Campbell. Oh. But he he does play Elvis, yes. Do we actually see him? See who? Elvis. Yeah. In In Bubba Hotep. In Bubba Hotep, Bruce Campbell is Elvis. Okay. There's a film where you don't. I thought it was Elvis, where you don't see him. Anyway, you carry on talking. I'm gonna. I have no idea what you're talking. Yeah, it might have just been something I dreamt. So basically, they the CIA or whatever want Nick Riviera to be like an undercover operative for them <clears throat> in Germany to see what's going on behind the Iron Curtain uh, and he basically becomes a secret agent and like he has to try and save this scientist who's been kidnapped and he's building a nuclear bomb but it's just say the comedy is so ridiculous so just, there's a bit where Nick Riviera ends up in prison because of <clears throat> something he does and his agent who's obviously there with him He's talked to him in the prison and he goes, I've tried everything, Nick. I've called the consulate. I've tried to get hold of the president. I've spoken to the people in the embassy. I've tried everything I can and I just can't seem to bring my wife to orgasm. <laughs> it's just yeah. so left field. So ridiculous. There's a bit where they're on the train and everything's moving and then you realise that the train isn't moving. It's the background that's moving because someone holds onto a tree and they disappear on the tree. Someone falls off a roof, and when they hit the ground, they shatter into pieces like mm. a piece of china. People have to dress as a as a cow, and there's a cow actually in Wellington boots. It's just isn't that on like the the cover? Yes. So that's sort of towards the end. It's just just absolutely ludicrous. Every there's one of the most out there scenes. There's a bit where Peter Cushing's in it as a bookshop owner seller. And the whole scene was filmed backwards and played forwards, and it just looks so surreal and weird. There's a bar fight underwater. It's just, it's one of those films that I put on and I laugh from start to finish. I've got a friend called Tom, and we go for a curry, probably, well, I would say once a month, but we don't anymore. We used to. Every time we are together, we end up talking about Top Secret, and we end up crying with laughter talking about Top mm. Secret. It's just. I mean, say, none of it is just random gags. There's a bit where someone's undercover as, like, selling jokes on a street corner. And as he goes to walk away, the person who's been goes, oh, wait, you forgot your fake dog poo. And he goes, that's not a fake dog poo. And the guy's literally just picked the dog shit up off the ground. It's just, oh, it's just so... So if you love the Naked Gun films, if you love the airplane films, you will love Top Secret. Mm. It's just ridiculous. <clears throat> I found the film. What film is it? Uh, it's True Romance, where oh, um, yeah, yeah he's kind of like off camera, isn't he? You don't oh. see him, but apparently he's. I've just read on the trivia that he's credited as mentor, so as not. To yeah, get that's in, Val Kilmer. Yeah, but so as not to get in trouble with the Elvis estate, but he was made up. 
Um, oh, apparently spent eight hours in makeup being transformed into Elvis. Yeah, so I wasn't going mad. I didn't no, dream it. Yeah, Tony Scott and Val Kilmer made quite a few films together. Um, but yeah, so I can I will watch it. If, it, if it's, I didn't realise it was funny like that. Yeah, because I've got it as Even a, though it's got a picture of a where I lost, boots on the cover. Where I lost mine, I re-bought it, but it was cheaper to get it in a box. So I've got a box there, which is Airplane, Top Secret and The Naked Gun. In like That's a triple fantastic. pack. Uh, but yeah, it, <clears throat> it is a proper lull fest. Um, Does it pass the six laugh test? Within the first three minutes. Oh, okay. Because like, his style of Bold music claim. is sort of Beach Boys style and it's just... Because he actually like properly sings in it and there's, there's proper songs, but obviously they're comedy songs and yeah, it's just... So most of it you can't really explain. You just It's all visual stuff mm. that you have to see, but absolutely He doesn't phenomenal. strike me as funny, but yeah, I'll give it a watch. In this film, he is. He he is a very underrated actor, Val Kilmer. Oh, Nowadays, he's seen as the fat fella who makes shit films, which he is the fat fella who makes shit films. But he went through a spell in the 90s where he was making absolutely brilliant films. And he, when he puts his mind to it and gets a film role that he wants, he is a brilliant actor. I love the way he burped <coughs> you said brilliant. Yeah, um, couldn't help myself. So, fun story. Um, if you were listening to the last uh, pod, which we hope you were, it was Terry's birthday. Because um, I didn't know what to get Terry as a present. I got him a cake made because he likes to eat. Um, Do I? And I, <laughs> I was, um, I did ask for them to make a Val Kilmer cake, but Lucy said, it's not enough batter in the world. <laughs> We've mentioned this. He's been quite ill. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to ask her. To, well, I did ask her to make a Val Kilmer cake with the words grease up the cockpit, but she was just <laughs> like, I can't make a cake that looks like a fat Val Kilmer. I think she probably could. She oh, just, she could. She we just know, didn't I, have the time to the make such The sweary cupcakes a... I've had before, she, she, she'll do anything. Um, that She just said that she didn't have time to make such a big cake. It was too busy. Too busy. She said, I, I can't Would have make. needed four ovens as well, surely. Yeah. Four people to lift it into the house. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lol indeed. So <laughs> Very ill. What did you say to me once? I've got a glandular problem. <laughs> Got a pork pie problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a problem, but... <laughs> so, moving on from Top Secret... <laughs> moving on from Terry's eating habits. <laughs> My oh. eating disorder. Uh, I just can't <coughs> stop. Um, so, Avengers <laughs> Assemble, or Avengers, as most people would call it. So, this is the most recent film on my list. So, this is from like, only from, like, 2012. Um, this film just... I mean, obviously, everyone's seen it. It is the team up of the Avengers. You've got Captain America, you've got Thor, you've got Iron Man, you've got the Hulk, Hawkeye, and Black Widow teaming up to fight Loki and the Chichari army in New York. And shit goes down. And it is just. I remember being so anxious about it because I'd seen all the solo films. And it was the first time ever that we'd seen this kind of a build up. Obviously, we'd had films before where there was multiple characters in it, but this was five people with their own franchises being thrust into a film together they'd all been amazed like can they do it can they make this film work and it's just i mean it's over two hours long but i can watch it probably weekly it's just it moves along at such a pace the action is so good there's humor in it it's got like proper action it's got proper sort of emotional scenes but i mean hulk is the absolute scene stealer in this film Hulk smash, puny god, 
everything to do with the Hulk is just phenomenal. I think it had the right the the humor level was just right with this yeah. one. Yeah, it it undercuts because it because obviously at the end of the day they sort of are kids' films and although obviously I'm an adult who loves them, you can't forget that they are kids' films. And it, it, yeah, but they're not. They're not out and out. Little kids, no, are they? But there was the humor was there just to diffuse those darker moments where you've got like the guitar where it looks like all's lost. That's when like Hulk turns up and does his smash or does the puny god bit which is possibly my favourite Marvel Cinematic Universe moment I think just where he pounds him into the ground and he's just left on the floor just going Loki does look particularly um, fine in this film he's very gaunt I like skinny guys and very pale I like him pale I I I like him not pale but I've 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 always (laughs) got to bring everything down to attractiveness haven't you but yeah, I just I think this is another one of those films where you can't see anyone replacing anyone. I think everyone in it is to- you can't see anyone else playing Thor other than Cribs Hemsworth. What about um, the fellow with the bow and arrow? He seems quite replaceable. Yeah, he but hasn't, I feel he hasn't like, got a film, has he? He hasn't. He's been in many, but I feel like he doesn't have a lot to do. But Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner gets across what that what that character is going through. He plays a fairly pivotal role in the film, but I just feel like does he? Yeah, he's, he gets turned by Loki, doesn't he? He's like the I reason that remember. half the shit goes down. I can't remember. But yeah, it's just a film that I can watch over and over again. It whittles by... Again, it's one that I can watch with my wife, which always helps. Um, so it's just... It's just a phenomenal film. It just What's whips. his name? The one with the bow and arrow? Hawkeye. If he was to have some kind of bow and arrow fight with Legolas, who would win? Well, Legolas, obviously. Yeah, okay. Right answer. For the main thing, I think Legolas hasn't he got like an enchanted quiver so it doesn't run out of arrows. I don't know. What's a quiver? What they put their arrows in. Like the little oh. backpack with just for the arrows. It's called a quiver. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was like a bum bag but slung over the shoulder. <laughs> a bum bag? <laughs> Ow! <laughs> no, slung me the ass again. It's very ridiculous. <laughs> and you wear it on the front anyway, you burk. Fanny bag. Oh, Terry uh, said Fanny. So, uh. yeah, so that's Avengers. Next up, if we're doing this in a sort of order, this is probably going to throw... I'm going to go for The Crow as number three. Yeah, okay. <coughs> I thought that would be your number one. So if we were, t- if we were talking favourite films, it would be higher. It would be between that and The Dark Knight, probably, for my favourite outright film. But for comfort film, it's just... There's other films that just make me happy. This film was obviously quite a dark film. So, I mean, you'll, you'll probably have to stop me because I've read about 15 books on this film. I could probably do an entire two-hour podcast just on this film. Please don't. <clears throat> no, so... Should we put the crow in the hat? <sighs> you could do it as a side story. How about that? Maybe, yeah. So, the film follows Eric Draven, who... I mean, we see him as the crow first, but... Him and his girlfriend were mur- brutally murdered and a year later he comes back as the crow where a crow brings the soul back to the body for him to go out and seek vengeance against the thugs that raped and murdered his girlfriend slash soon-to-be wife and himself. And he has supernatural powers. He can't get hurt. If he gets shot, he just heals over. I don't know if he's got super strength, but he's definitely strong. 
Um, and it's just him going out for vengeance against these crooks and he goes after and them. And rightly so. Rightly so indeed. And he goes after them the way that... So one of them has a penchant for knives. He kills him with his knives. Another one's a druggie. He kills him with drugs. I liked that death. What, the druggie one? Yeah. Yeah, so... <clears throat> I mean, it's just filled with iconic scenes. It's a film that I feel... It was very... It basically bombed at the cinema. It's one that's been picked up since... Obviously, there's a big cult around how... There's a big cult around this film, obviously, because Brandon Lee did die during the making of the film, which has given it a separate life. Mm. And contrary to popular belief, apparently it's a popular belief that he his death is in the film. It is not. He did he died in a scene that was cut and it was mm. reshot. So the strange thing with this film, which makes it better... Well, not makes it better, but just how good a film is. All of the scenes where he is Eric Draven, other than the flashbacks, are not Brandon Lee. They filmed all of the Crow stuff and then the first day of filming with him as Eric was when the accident happened and he was essentially shot through the stomach and bled out and died. So there's lots of I stuff... I didn't realise that's what happened. Yeah, so... It's terrible. It's literally... So essentially, Michael Massey, who plays Funboy, he shot and killed him. Shit. Yeah, so he didn't act for a while. I'm um, not fucking surprised. <laughs> like, how, how on earth did a loaded gun get in his hands? So, <clears throat> so I could go into... So basically, they I'm have furious with prop guns. Obviously, they have blanks in them, and they'll put a different level of gunpowder in, depending on if they want like flares out of the end of the gun. Mm. So obviously, if you just want a noise, you put a little bit in. If you want a big puff, you put loads in. Big puff. But obviously, they have to have like a pellet in the end because that's what keeps the gunpowder in. Mm-hmm. So what happened was they didn't put quite enough gunpowder in one and the bullet basically lodged into the barrel of the gun and then for the shot that killed him they wanted a big muzzle flare so they put one with lots of gunpowder in Mm. and essentially it fired that bullet that was in the barrel into him so it was a complete fluke it even down to like the camera angle they chose for that shot he had to aim at him Mm. it wasn't like he was aiming at the camera or something he I believe the camera was directly behind Brandon Lee, so he had to aim at him. Otherwise, mm. you clearly see that he wasn't aiming at him. And it just went straight in. It hit him in a place that would kill him anywhere else. It like literally lodged in his spine. It was literally like one of these, a hundred things had to happen. Yeah. And they all happened. And obviously, like the film went into shutdown for six months. They didn't... At one point, they weren't going to finish it because, say... They'd shot all of the stuff with him with the painted face where he's the crow, but they hadn't filmed anything else. And it's one of the first instances... Obviously, we spoke about Gladiator where they use CGI to bring Oliver Reed Mm. back. In this, they actually cut and paste his face from other scenes onto his stunt double. And that's how they finished filming. And if you watch it, you'll see lots of bits where you can't see his face, his hair's (laughs) over his face, he's in darkness. That's the stunt double. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll watch it again. Covering as him. With a different set of eyes now. Yeah. So there's the bit where he stood and he's just done the makeup and like the camera flashes on him and there's lightning strikes and you actually see his face. That's all completely CGI, although it wasn't really called CGI then. Hmm. It was some weird like plate removal or something is how they called it then. It's weird, isn't it? Because I've seen that film many times and I I didn't I knew he died during the filming, but I thought they'd essentially done done no, it all. They were I had like, no idea that <clears> they'd <throat> effectively cut it, and pasted his face onto someone else's. I'd, so that's I didn't literally for one. It. There's other bits where they put like a mask of him on someone apparently that was really creepy because mm. they they took a mask of his face so they could get the painting right on his mm. face every day 
But yeah, there's a bit with the stunt that was just wearing the face, but for the most part, he's covered, so you just can't see the face. Yeah. But yeah, there was about 40% of the film was incomplete, and it actually cost more than the rest of the film to finish the film. Yeah. Uh, the studio that was making it dropped out, and another film took o- another studio took over and put like eight million into it, which obviously in early nineties is a lot of money, and that's what got the film finished. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's sad to look at it because Brandon Lee is fucking phenomenal in this film. Up to this point, he'd been in other films, but he was in films because he was Bruce Lee's son. Hmm. He was just do- he was like generic action man, whereas this one he actually got to act. Reading up again, like. Um, the script took two years to perfect. Yeah. What film spends two years on a script these days? It just gets shuffled out. Yeah. It's just everything about this is just the action is amazing. His performance, because it is a very haunted performance, because when he's killing these people, when he touches them, he gets the sense memory of what they did to his. Mm. So he has these flashbacks which come in useful at the end, and you've just got. There's this lovely relationship he has with Officer Albrecht, who was the officer who stayed with Shelley while she was dying essentially and there's like this sort of buddy part of it but it's just it's just so emotional there's so many great like quotes in it so there's obviously like mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children they're all dead they just don't know it yet Mm. but the film is actually born out of sorrow as well so the reason James O'Barr who wrote the comic books this is based on a comic book he wrote it because he was mad in love with a woman and she died and this was his way of processing that grief. So it's like grief built on grief yeah. built on grief. But it's just, if you love an action film, but this is, I feel like the reason this has lived on other than the Brandon Lee aspect is the gothic look to the film. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, I think it's if this was set like now with this aesthetic, it wouldn't, but because you've got those dark gothic. I mean, it's, it's still so, yeah, it's still so like iconic looking, isn't mm. it? And people still, it's just such a cool like as someone who's like into metal and horror as well it seems amazing soundtrack as well yeah but it just seems to sort of tick a lot of boxes for me because it kind of because of the way it looks that's that's the way i like things to look yeah um yeah it's wicked i seem to remember you going as the crow to a halloween i no, we did it we did it at the shop shop, because you painted my face yeah but yeah no it's just it's a film that I love it's a film I watched it this week as part of it it's just I don't think there's anything bad about it but I do feel like I've got rose tinted glasses of it. It yeah but even though it's not one of my favourite films like I love it um, but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this film no it's just so some of the effects are a bit shonky but it is from 1992 or something like that but it's just it's an action film slash super film with heart with an actual proper story with characters that you even like the horrible characters like T-Bird and that there's a story behind them there's a proper they're properly acting it's got Candyman in it as well Tony mm. Todd obviously he's not playing Candyman um, but it's just yeah I just absolutely love this one I say I'm going to cut myself off because I could talk for days on it um, so they were slightly different tacks so next up and what really surprised me is nobody else said this film Jurassic Park not one listener said Jurassic Park. I thought that would come up a couple of times. Okay. Because for me, this was one of my awakening films for for films as like what a film could be. Because mm. I wasn't really into films as a kid because my mum and dad aren't into films. It's where I've become so into films is like the last 10, 15 years where I'm working at HMV, etc. But this was a film that I remember it was like, it was a big deal. Like 
is a film it's got dinosaurs and obviously it's a young boy I love dinosaurs and it's just seeing those dinosaurs on the screen for the first time this the music John Williams score for this film is just for me it's the best film score like the sort of theme song so to speak is better than Star Wars it's better than Superman it's better than Indiana Jones it is the best score best theme song I absolutely adore it and it's just the wonder that this film puts it just watching it now seeing that T-Rex for the first time seeing the Brachiosaur for the first time the the Diflosaur it's just it's just uncomparable to any other film for just like wow mm. just to watch it it's so crisp looking I've got it on Blu-ray everything just looks you you can't tell even now watching it like 25 years after they made it that those dinosaurs are CG and animatronics you can't see the blend it looks like there are real dinosaurs in that film it's just it's just I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't need to say what it is. There's dinosaurs on an island. Shit happens. Mm. Um, I'm surprised it didn't come up in anywhere else. No, list. literally nobody said I thought it'd come... I didn't necessarily think it'd be top of the list, mm. but I thought someone else would say it. But I bet, I bet people will be listening thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's probably one that people are thinking, like I was with Labyrinth, because I didn't think of that till I saw it on the list. But it's just, say, the sense of wonder, the absolute majestic nature of the T-Rex. I mean, I love all of the... Dr- that would probably be a franchise that I'd put in as well, like the Jurassic franchise. But mm. if I had to pick in one, well, it's not even a case of if I had to pick one. Jurassic, the first one is always going to be tops. Again, everyone that's in it, um, Richard, At- no, it's Richard Attenborough, isn't it? As Hammond, I think, is perfectly cast. Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, obviously, is the enigmatic Dr. Malcolm. It's just, you just can't improve on anyone in that film. I just think... It's absolutely phenomenal, and I just I can put I could probably watch that daily, and I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Mainly, my wife's always moaning at me because if there's a silence, I will quite often hum the Jurassic Park theme tune, and she's just like, "For Christ's sake, can you not do that?" Because it's just an amazing, amazing soundtrack. Uh, so then, on to my number one. So this is by far and away my number one, and this is where we find out that. Speed wasn't when I fell in love with Keanu Reeves because my number one is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I'm so glad that you fell in love with him from Bill and Ted and not Speed because Speed is shit. Yeah, but I do love Excellent Adventure as well, but for me, Bogus Journey is the better one. I feel like I possibly saw them the wrong way around because my sister was in love with Keanu Reeves at this point. I Mm. I have a very vivid memory of her having a poster on her wall of... Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves in like the pose with their arms yeah, crossed yeah. back to back. I think I had one, yeah. The good robot usses, the bad robot usses, and just being like, wow, I need to talk. I think my sister might have even taken me as like the, oh yeah, no, I'm not here to see the film. I'm just bringing my little brother along. And again, it's another one. This was one of those ones where, oh, should we go to Blockbuster? And it would be Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey or The Giver. Those would be the two films. And my mum and dad, I could imagine, just wanted to die. I mean, D- Daisy hasn't got onto films yet, but we watch a lot of Fireman Sam and it drives me to despair. So, I mean, literally, I would probably watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey every other week for about two years. It's just it's just so stupid, but so amazing. Such good chemistry between Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, in his absolute element, playing a airheaded, <laughs> like, rock fan 
it's just the music and it's brilliant like the song they sing at the end to like where they've learned how to play actually play their guitars mm. god gave rock and roll death being in it as a main character who they melvin and play jenga against and battleship where they go and meet god station mm. just so like the i think my favorite bits are like the good robotuses and the bad robotuses because I mean, the bad robots is obviously just horrible, but the good robots is just look so shit. Mm. But at the same time, so amazing. And it's just, oh, it just puts a smile on my face. It's just everything about the whole bit with that like, Missy, where obviously in Excellent Adventure she's Bill's stepmom and now she's Ted's stepmom. Mm. And Bill's dad is like really upset that she's left him. And just, oh, just everything about the film. It's just, oh, I just love it. And I cannot wait for them to make the third one. Although I'm also obviously very scared. Yeah. Because it might be shit. Although I don't think it will be because they've been working on it for so long and it's like a proper passion project. It's not... There's so many films now where like there's sequels and reboots coming out and they're doing it because it's fashionable, but they have genuinely been working on this film for like 20 years because they just want to work here. It's just... I just love it. And I know you you feel the same as well. Yeah, I, I love this film much more than... I mean, I love both of them, but I really, really love the second one. Um, not as much as you, because it's not in, it's not one of my comfort yeah. films. Um, but yeah, I do like Bill and Ted. I had no idea that was your like, number one comfort film. I thought it was The Crow. No, so it's uh, on a different day. I might say The Crow because mm. I'm very interchangeable when there's this. But the f- when when that came out of the hat and when I was putting it in the hat, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was the film that was like in my head because it's just just makes me smile. Mm. Because it's almost like there isn't... Obviously, the villains are like the bad writers, but like even they're funny and make you smile. There's not like a sort of horrendous nature. None, even the fact that they get killed, it's still kind of funny the way they get killed yeah. and the way they the bad robotuses spit on them while they're on the floor. It's just... Oh, just, yeah. Smile. Yay. So, Happy yeah, films. so that's my top five comfort films. So, Son, what are the rest of yours? What's your um, five to one? Well, my five to one... I don't even have to look at my phone. I don't need to look at my notes for these. Um, my top five comfort films were very, very easy for me to compile. Um, I think it kind of... Um, the difference in certainly the top threes, I think the difference in mine and Terry's age shows with our sort of choices of comfort films. Yeah, because all um, of my, my top three are all early 90s. Um, the first two films uh, that I'm going to talk about the first one um, I saw as an adult because it came out when I was an adult the next one I saw in my teens because that's when it came out but the, my top three comfort films are films that I watched uh, as a kid uh, one of them possibly wasn't suitable for a kid to watch but <laughs> you do so the first one is a little bit um, interesting um, it's Return of the King yeah um, but specifically the second disc of the extended version so <laughs> the extended edition is the best one um, Terry and I have done the Lord of the Rings extended version uh, extended trilogy twice we did it once at home and then once at Prince Charles um, that was an epic day yeah um, but Return of the King is a film that <clears throat> I and that's, that's what I watched today but only the second disc um <laughs> Only because I didn't have enough time to watch the whole yeah. thing. If I'd have what, had enough four time, four and a half hours is it? If I'd have had enough time, I would have watched the whole thing. But 
So the thing with me watching the the second disc is a because I, I only ever watch the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. Um, and first of all, let me say I think Lord of the Rings films are is a perfect trilogy. Um, yeah, for me, the reason it's not much is I couldn't pick one. Um, it's they're they're all excellent. I've I've watched Return of the King far and away uh, more than the other two. Um, it, but it is it is a perfect trilogy. Um, so the reason I specifically watch um, the second disc, I think, so many times is a because I used to watch it almost every night before I went to bed. It was sort of like my going to bed film, so I would pop it on and and fall asleep watching it. But normally end up staying watching the whole thing, um, or certainly until I feel the film comes to its natural end. Um, yeah, there are a lot of endings. Yeah. In the film. Um, Falling this or turning it off just before that weird bed scene. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> when a uh, wizard watches a lot of young boys jump, jumping yeah. on a bed. Um, but I think possibly the reason that um, you know time issues aside, I probably watched this one over and over because it was sort of like the because it was the ending of it all. Yeah. I could kind of like watch it and closure. Yeah, basically. Um, so we, you know, I'm sure you, everyone knows uh, the Lord of the Rings stories and uh, films. Um, but and this is the one we were talking about earlier about us being miserable. Terry knows full well that I am incapable of watching <laughs> Return of the King without crying um, at the uh, at one of the end scenes with the hobbits when they bow to oh, Aragorn. Don't don't even say it. Um, it's totes emotional. Yeah, bit. and he says, you know, you you bow to no man. Um, it gets me every time. I remember the first time I was like, I can't. I watched it this afternoon at my mum's house, and I there is no way I've never been able to watch that scene and not at least well up. Um, if you catch me in the right mood, I'll just have a outright cry to it. Um, and it's also got my absolute favourite line from. The Lord of the Rings films are possibly like any films because hashtag girl power is when Eowyn um, says, I am no man. And oh, and stabs, then kills the Witch King. Yeah, stabs him in the face. And it's just like, yes. There's, it's something just so deeply satisfying. And it's just such a fantastic line. And I, 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 just, <laughs> I just love everything about it. You know, you've got Aragorn finally has a wash and brushes his hair in it um you know the relationship between legolas and gimli which is brilliant throughout all the films and gandalf is looking very white and ironed in all of these scenes (laughs) got the mouth of sauron of course which is my favorite character and he's only in the extended edition i know and it's he's he's in it for like seconds but he's so fucking you know who plays him yes i do of course i know who plays him but but i love him as well because when he sort of turns his head to one side he looks like marilyn manson um and just all the oil pouring out yeah, of his mouth as he so, talks. Yeah, so so well done. But the the and and I the way I feel about Lord of the Rings films and and, and Frodo, Frodo in and Harry Potter. Call him by his name, Mister Frodo. Frodo and Harry Potter are the same in, in the sense that they're just whiny little shits, and the true hero of the story is their ginger best friend, um, Samwise Gamgee, is possibly the most perfect person ever to have existed and i don't believe there is a better best friend you could have than sam and frodo didn't deserve him no (laughs) sam is so so good to him and 
Sam in those films just he's he I, I just love him I just absolutely <coughs> love him um but so obviously you know t- towards the ending of the film you know and it really I just think highlights their relationship and you know and the the end you know got the various different endings and obviously the the main ending where um where Frodo goes and Sam is just so so devastated and I'm every time I watch it and I, and that bit upsets me as well I'm not sad because Frodo's going fuck Frodo like fuck him to hell like I don't give two shits about Frodo he's fucking broken Sam's heart mm. how fucking dare but he but he's got that barmaid to go back yeah, to yeah I know and... And, and you know and I'm consoled with that and and Frodo will never know a love like that because he's undeserving of it but the fact that he has upset Sam that much just absolutely enrages me. <laughs> it really, really <laughs> does. I'm just like, how dare he? meant to be he? a comfort film. But it is a comfort film. Sounds like film. you're about to punch the fucking screen. No, it is a comfort film because I just watched... Because it, I just love it. It's just such a... Like a delight for the eyes, isn't it? Just everything... Oh, just... Everything is, is wrapped up. Everything sort of finished... You know, and Aragorn and um, Liv Tyler get together. Um... And it's just, um, I, ju- I just absolutely love it. It's just fantastic. It's the perfect ending to a perfect trilogy. It really, really is. Then moving, magic. And then moving on from that, we've got the perfect beginning to another perfect trilogy, and that's Toy Story. <laughs> so moving on mm. from one perfect character in Sam, we'll be going on to another one. Another one of my top, top guys is Woody. Um, I love Tom Hanks, and as far as I'm concerned, Woody is his best role. Um so, I always thought you didn't like Tom Hanks. I so controversially, I never really loved Big. I know. I just I've just pulled a face that's on you. Obviously, it's not yeah, figure for radio. I just find it a bit pedo. But anyway, but I never really got why everyone was so crazy about Big. I'm really sorry because I think Rob might have put that in his like top five, and he's yeah. probably going to maybe sack me now. Yeah, um, you're out. Yeah, I've got the boot. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, I never really saw the appeal of Tom Hanks, and then. When I was a teenager, um, my best mate said, I've seen this film, you need to watch it, you're gonna love it. And it was Toy Story. Um, And then I kind of feel like my life changed because I fucking love Toy Story, as in the whole three. Um, Got all the toys. Um, I've got clothes and bags and accessories which came out from the first film. I've got toys from the first film which are still working and brilliant and I've even got a Woody uh, and I've written my name on the bottom of his boot like Andy does with the backwards in beautiful yeah I absolutely love it it's such a charming story it's obviously like an early example of having a compute uh, it's the first fully computer generated film yeah and obviously it looks a bit dated now when you watch it and you kind of think oh that looks a little bit clunky but I just think the characters are so strong and the story is so lovely and it I just yeah I mean, it's, it's Toy Story. What's not to love? Um, mm. I can put that on and just watch it. And and I love all three, again. Um, but Toy Story is the one. Three's an emotional heartbreaker. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't watch three without going to bits. And the song in the second one. Uh, with song. Jesse's song. Fucking hell. Um, but yeah, Toy Story one. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, really, really amazing. And then my top three comfort films and my top three favourite films. It's so, so easy for me to pick these. Um, and as big a horror fan as I am, um, my top three films are all musicals. Probably no surprise. 
Um, Sound of Music at number three, easy. I mean, you'll know what the Sound of Music is about. It's about a nun who sings. Um, On the Hills, which are alive with the Sound of Music. Um, I I went to see this recently, which I spoke about on an earlier pod, um, where it had a 4K restoration. I went to see it at the cinema. It was amazing. Um, Again, I love all the songs in it. I... It's just a great story. I just love it. I just love, 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 love it. It's one of those films, if it comes on the telly, I have to watch it. Um, I don't think I've seen it all the way through as an adult. I've seen it more times than I could probably count. This is one that me and my mum watch together. Um, my my second favourite film and my second comfort film, again, which I can just... Quite often I put this on and I fast forward it to all the songs and that's Rocky Horror Picture Show. We saw that at the cinema. Well, it wasn't the cinema, it was the Auburn Arena. Yeah. Um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, again, I love the soundtrack. Um, I mean, it's such a, a great story. You don't have to fast forward it much to get mm. to a song because it is a musical. But yeah, I do fast forward it um, to get to all the songs. Um, my favourite song is uh, uh, when he's singing to Rocky about I Can Make You a Man. Um, I really, really love that. Um, I just, I just think it's great. Tim Curry's amazing, and it's super fucking hot as well. Like, he's a young man in that, isn't he? He's just so incredibly hot. I mean, he is a beautiful man. Damn. Um, yeah. It, it probably, if I'm honest, it probably, and I know he's not a drag queen in it, but it probably is what started my fascination with drag queens yeah. and men in makeup in general. Um, yeah, just. I love it. I love it. It's a film I watched. Another thing, that and The Young Ones, which I watched when I was kids, are probably the two things. When I look back, I think I possibly shouldn't have been watching those when I was at junior school, but I don't think I turned out too no, bad. My dad, loves Rocky, shit. my dad loves Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I watched it when I was quite young. Yeah. Um, I've really never, like been, I've never been to see it um, where everyone gets dressed up. Um, we were pre- When we saw The Crow at the Prince Charles, they had that downstairs, didn't they? Because it was a quite large man wearing nothing but a feather bow and a pair of pants yeah I mean I've never been sort of like overly fussed about going to sit like that um, I kind of just enjoy sitting in watching it on my own um, singing the songs to myself because I can't sing very well so it's probably best um, but I quite happily play the soundtrack in my car and sing along I, yeah I think it's fantastic um, but my number one comfort movie um, is The Wizard of Oz it's it's my all-time favourite film. It's probably the first film I remember ever seeing, which is possibly why it's my comfort film, because it just reminds me of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's one that if it comes on TV, I'll probably watch it with my mum. Just the whole um, like nostalgia feel of watching it for the first time, seeing that whole black and white segment, um, and then obviously the house landing and her going through the door and seeing it all in Technicolor as a kid was just... Yeah, I remember being like, whoa, what's that yeah. Um And everything, um, everything just looking so beautiful, everyone looking so beautiful, apart from the Wicked Witch, of course. Um, but there was still always something about her. Um, I just, I don't, I don't really know what... what else to say about the wizard of oz i think people of a certain age watch 
those films. But having said that, I mean, Wizard of Oz and um, Sound of Music are both pretty old, aren't they? Mm. Um, Wizard of Oz, that, what, the 40s? I don't know, to be honest. I feel like I should know when it came out. Um, but it's one of those films that I've got um, sort of like multiple versions of because I've bought it, you know, and even if they have like cover... 1939. Yeah, cover variations. Um you know, I'll buy it because it's got a different cover. I've got various different special edition DVDs and then Blu-rays and I've got pictures around the house. Yeah, I think I borrowed your Wizard of Oz Blu-ray. Yeah, I've got various uh, pictures around the house and um, Your WhatsApp picture is the Wicked Witch My of the West. My profile picture is the <coughs> Wicked Witch of the West, yeah. Um, which, if you know me, no surprise really. Um, and... And I have various pairs of red shoes and most people will refer to me as wearing my ruby slippers because they mm. know that I love The Wizard of Oz and the reason I'm wearing red shoes because I'm, I'm a big fan of the film. I haven't read the book, so I'm not going to re-wear silver slippers. Um, but yeah, for me, ult- ultimate ultimate favourite film, ultimate comfort film. I just love it. I just love the songs. And my favourite song from that one is... Um, um, I didn't tell you my favourite song from Sound of Music so that's I Have Confidence um, my favourite song from Rocky Horror is I Can Make You a Man and then my favourite song um, from The Wizard of Oz is the Scarecrow singing If I Only Had a Brain yeah love it yeah I love his crazy dancing because he's all floppy because he's made of straw yeah um, yeah I just think the way he sings it is just amazing hashtag heart yeah, so there you go. So Sonia's is The Wizard of Oz. Mine is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. They're our, our favourite comfort films, the films we turn to in times of need. Times of need? <clears throat> need in what? A pick-me-up. A brain, Feeling heart, shit, yeah. bit of courage. One of those things. Um, I wonder if any of those turned up in the big listener list. Well, we'll find out shortly. So next up is my TV list. So, again, I've got some that are specific episodes, some that aren't. So I'll start with the ones that aren't specific episodes. So for me, bottom. So you obviously mentioned young ones. Young ones. But That's for, our age difference. Yeah. For me, bottom. I can just throw on any episode. There's particular bits I like, but basically anything with fighting. I love the episode. I don't know the title where they end up playing chess, and it's just fucking ridiculous. There's a particular bit where Richie picks up an umbrella, and it's got a really long point on it, and he stabs Eddie with it, and then opens the umbrella, opens the umbrella. Eddie pulls it out and the most of the tip is gone and he just screams at the camera because obviously that's stuck in his testicles right now. <laughs> and it's just... I love the, on Wimbledon Common where they're camping mm. and there's the whole thing about the German shepherd with the dog turd and they catch a tiny little fish. It's just... It takes me back to my childhood of just watching them over and over again and like the live shows where they actually sort of properly swear because obviously the series was on BBC so I think there's shits but there's no real like fucks whereas in the live show there's fucks all over the place but Rick Mayle and Adrian Edmondson are like two of my absolute heroes I'm I was always a more of an Eddie fan just because he felt more in control he was more put upon because he mm. was just like Richie was just such a dick yeah trying to trying but you to can act see why like I he's relate. upper class you can yeah. see why I relate to Rick and Richie can't you yeah which <laughs> we like Richie's like, oh, I've made a lovely dinner. And everything that goes wrong is always Richie's fault in some way. Like that particular episode is because they've had their TV repossessed. And it starts off with, yeah, it's been repossessed because we were 
because you were meant to pay the rent on the TV, but you bought these magic beans instead, didn't you, Eddie? And it's like, well, yeah, there's that, but why did we end up in arrears? £83.34, which is also the same as like this Swedish love pump or something, mm. and Richie is actually fucked up, and Eddie's just the full guy for mm. it all. Because as, as dysfunctional as they are, in both The Young Ones and Bottom, Vivian and Eddie were always the, the cool ones, Yeah, even though they were still fucking idiots um but they were still the cool ones compared to rick mayo's characters yeah but it's just oh, i'm not just, saying you're the cool one in this no, partnership of course not. at all we're equally cool <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's okay. why we're not cool at all yeah but no i i could just watch bottom at any point in time. it's on netflix so i quite often i'll spend is it yeah i'll spend like f- i'll spend like 40 minutes trying to pick a film on netflix and end up watching a bottom episode mm. Yeah, um, I've got it as a box set. I've got like the American import DVD box set because it's got bits on it that have been cut out on the English release for some unknown reason. That's bizarre. I can't isn't remember it? what is exactly missing, but I remember specifically making sure I got the import version because it was better. That seems some ridiculous. Way. That a, such a British show would have more stuff in the American version. Yeah, I don't know if it was just like extras or what, mm. but yeah, that's why I got it. Uh, next up would be West Wing. So again, this is one that I sort of have in my. There are horrible bits in the West yeah, Wing, but you, did you tell by the look of my face? Yeah. Like, How's that comfort one? You were just, you were just thinking Leo, but just, there's just basically any episode which is Bartlett centric mm. just fills me with joy. Like the opening episode, he swerved to avoid a tree. He was unsuccessful. <laughs> just when he's high on the back medication and he's just chatting away to people, just I just love Bartlett. And say West Wing, I mean, I came to it quite late. You'd watched it a few times when Mm. you made me watch it. Again, it's something that my wife likes, so I can watch it quite often. We probably watch the entire seven series at least once a year. And it's just like putting on a comfortable pair of slippers and it's just... Because there's bits... Because there's so much... Because you've got seven series of 22 episodes. You can't remember all of it. So it's like, oh God, it's this episode where Mm. this happens. It's the bit where CJ does that... Where CJ does the jackal. It's the one. CJ is hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one where Toby does something stupid. It's just that. It's just all of the characters are just so amazing and it's so well acted, so well written. I'd forgotten about the jackal. Yeah, but <laughs> but say for me, it will always, always, always be Bartlett. Even in his like horrible moments. Obviously, there's not being spoilery, but there's an episode that involves Mrs. Lanningham mm. where it's heartbreaking, and it's just the way he reacts. But it's just. I think because it feels so real, it's almost comforting that you're seeing people act in a real way in those yeah. horrible situations. Because even like early on, there's the doctor that's looking after him that gets killed in Afghanistan, and he like he wants to turn around and blow up Afghanistan in, yeah. in retaliation. And they have to like talk him down from it. It's just the relationship between him and Leo. There's just so many beautiful moments in that where it's just proper banter. Because for the most part, Leo is very much he's Mr. President. And then there's a few moments where you're obviously you're not see, you're seeing Leo and Jed. You're not seeing Mr. Bartlett and hmm. and his chief of staff. And it's just their relationship is just amazing. The show so it does go to some dark places, but I feel like there's more nice things in there that more than make up for it. So like I could just watch it over and over again. Um, they're moving into the ones that are a bit more specific so Alan Partridge or I'm Alan Partridge as the series is actually called I can watch it over and over again and my absolute favourite episode I had to look up what it was called because I didn't know it's called The Colour of Alan Mm. and all I need is one coat Lynn I've stuck my foot on a spike oh is it that one (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that one because it's 
as he says that, you have a very quick pan down. It doesn't, and you just see the spike <laughs> completely through his foot. And all he's done is step on it. He hasn't like fallen on it. He hasn't jumped. He's just tried to climb a fence, and a spike has gone clean through his foot. And the reason of that is because. Is it Choristers? Is that the name of the country club? I can't remember. For whatever reason, he always... He takes the piss out of how lax the security is. He has a card that lets him in, but every time he presses the buzzer, he says that he's the IRA. He's there to blow up the building, and he gets let in. On this particular occasion, he forgets his card, and because he's a dick, they don't let him in. He's got a um, conference that he has to do for... the. Oh, what is that? Apache Fireplaces, is that it? Something like that, yeah. With the South African man who he rips the shit out of earlier in the episode. So he has to climb over. He stabs his foot on a spike, but being the consummate professional, continues with the show. And he's at the front on this stand, hunched over, trying to deliver a speech. And he's literally just like, <laughs> does a massive thing. accidentally sets off a glitter bomb and someone says it he goes oh do you like that 500 fucking quid that costs and he's like oh there's nothing left oh there's, there's nothing left and he's like you've all got a goodie bag you've got this and a torch and the torch shines on his eyes he goes come on mate don't try to torture mine I've lost a pint of blood <laughs> and then he just like keeps trying to go and he goes Oh, do you like that? Is another one, and he just fires off another factory. Five hundred quid each they cost. And he just, it's just, it's just so funny, and it's just so. It is the most perfect. I mean, pause. I won't say it. perfect comedy character. So perfectly realised as a character. It, I think it's a, a perfect Alan episode. Yeah, it's just. As soon as, as soon as you said Alan Partridge, I'm thinking to myself, if he hasn't picked the, the spike through <laughs> foot one. Because it is just, I, re- I can remember the first time watching it. Lynn, I've stuck my foot on a spike. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had to pause it because I lost control. <laughs> There's obviously other great moments in the series. There's Dan, Dan, Dan. Oh, he's not seeing me. Dan, Dan. Because if you look in the background of that, the two actresses are facing away. Because they are trying not to laugh and ruin the take. Because mm. I think like it's clear that Steve Coogan stops being Steve Coogan when he's Alan Partridge. He becomes Alan. And mm. it's, you can imagine that he could just do anything. You could throw anything at him and he would react as Alan. And mm. it's just... Even like the bit where he's playing air guitar and someone knocks on the door and he carefully puts the air guitar down. That's why the fact it's not a real guitar. <laughs> and the... Um, when he's breaking down the breakfast for Sonia. Bacon, 10 on 10. <laughs> Sausage, 10 on 10. Beans and egg, I might... No, what is it? I might want to mix the beans and eggs, but I want that to be my decision. Use the sausage as a breakwater. But he's got like half moon glasses and he's made actual notes on the breakfast. It's just fucking... He's an absolute twat, but you just love him for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's Alan Partridge. Next up, is Count Arthur Strong. I don't know what episode you're going to say for this. So there's a couple, but the for me, the top one is stuck in the middle, which is the one where he inadvertently kidnaps a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds so stupid to say it. And it basically becomes misery <laughs> with Arthur and a plumber. <laughs> some soup. <laughs> yeah, some, I'll boil up some bones. <laughs> And he he's, he wakes up and the guy wakes up and he's in pajamas and he's like oh yeah 
Oh, you're doing an awful good job in those pyjamas. I mean, if I'd known who the person who died was wearing them, I'd probably be... That psoriasis, I'd be getting all itchy. Oh, it just makes me... And then, obviously, he wants to itch. And he's... For some reason, he's put floorboards on his legs. We can't bend his legs. <laughs> and there's just... There's just the recurring stupid gag where it's like... The guy just wants to get out, and Arthur's like, oh, we could play a game, I'll get Cluedo. And as he walks out, the guy just goes to himself, but you can't play Cluedo with two people. <laughs> and then later on, as he's being saved, he says to someone, he wanted to play Cluedo. And the other person goes, but you can't play Cluedo with two people. And it's just Boolan coming to the rescue with a giant whisk, because <laughs> he thinks <laughs> Arthur's a sociopath. <laughs> but it's just everything that happens is so, like he accidentally ruins the guy's phone by dropping it in the beef broth and that's where he has to go and boil some more bones <laughs> he's cut the clothes off because that's what he saw happen on casualty <laughs> and in the end they have to get the guy out and they literally just like throw him out the window and it cuts to like some time has passed and he's in a restaurant and he's the waitress is bringing him soup and it becomes Arthur in a wig and like a maid's outfit and it's just it's just so ridiculous, but I've watched that episode more times. I'm pretty sure I watched it straight after. I just watched it and then watched it again. But other episodes of that that I love, so the seance episode. Oh, so, so good. Because it follows a truly emotional episode mm. where, I mean, something horrible happens to a character and in the next episode they have a seance because Arthur can't move on and they need to help him. But there's a beautiful bit where he's trying to draw a pentangle on a chalkboard because that's going to save them because they're doing this seance and he can't get it right. So Boolant takes over and Boolant goes, there you go. And they look around and it's a rectangle. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> remotely like a pentangle. And Arthur just turns around and goes, well, that's not going to keep us safe from the spirits of darkness, is it? And later on in the episode, it gets a bit shaky. It's like, and all we've got is a bloody rectangle to protect us. And it's just so stupid. I like it when Michael's phone rings. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, there's like this horrible, like, atmospheric, like, classical music. You know, oh, God, they're really... But it's it's his phone. It's, it's not actually, tone, like, background yeah. music. And it's like, hello. I'm at a seance. <laughs> yeah. And then the final one is the radio play episode. So, out of picking them. So, he randomly ends up being in a radio play where he has two lines... And there's a bit where he tells a story about the buffet where he used to work at the BBC. And he's like, oh, they used to fit up all day. I had a whole salmon once. Salmon for me breakfast, salmon for me dinner. I was sick of the bloody sight of it by the end of it. I ended up flushing it down, down the, the toilet. toilet yeah. <laughs> looking at me with its cold, <laughs> accusing eyes. Because <laughs> I, I said about like Alan Partridge being like the perfect... Count Arthur for me is the perfect embodiment of a comedy character. He's not blue. He's not in the radio series. He's a horrible character. He's mean to people. Whereas in the series, he's not as much. Mm. I feel like for the radio, they had to. He had to pick on people. Whereas yeah, in the TV show, they can just rely on the moves that he does, the way he looks at the camera, the way he just stands there, and you crease up laughing at him stood still. And it's just, I mean, we've seen him live and he can do it live as well. He just stands there and you just cannot help but laugh. But there's just so many great moments. Say so the re- Just the cold accusing eyes of a dead salmon. Mm. In, in I was thinking toilet. about that as well. When you were talking about the other episodes, I was thinking if he doesn't mention the salmon down the toilet. Um, but yeah, count, I've, I've done that before. You just put Count Arthur on, put the yeah. DVD on. I just. Um... I, I doubt there has been a time where I have not put on Arthur and watched the disc. Yeah. 
because it's just it is so good when I go on holiday I take the Count Arthur's because it's just it's just so good and I don't not laugh I can vividly remember the reason I watched Count Arthur Strong which was Graham Linehan directed it and obviously he did IT Crowd Father Ted mm. other shows that I loved and I watched the first episode and I was like didn't think much of it and for whatever reason I decided to watch it again and I don't know if the first time I was on my phone or whatever the second time I nearly died and that's when I fell up and it it took that second of actually giving it a go that made me fall in love because it's that first episode where he has like that massive conversation with Michael he's like okay let's go out for lunch I'll just put on some trousers and the camera pans back and the entire thing up to now he's just been in his pants (laughs) (laughs) it's just so simple but so perfect so then I don't think anyone will be surprised by my number one TV show this would probably be my number one comfort thing out of anything so like you said it would always be The Simpsons it would always be for me Doctor Who so I haven't actually watched Doctor Who for a while and I was like I'll watch some of the episodes that I'm talking about and the second the theme tune started I smiled I got goosebumps and it was just like Oh, why haven't I watched this for so long? Because I just fucking love Doctor Who. I think one of the things about it is it can be so different. So one week you can have a Western episode, one week it's set in the future, one week it's set in the past, one week it's set now, one week it's set on a planet far away, one week it's on Earth. But it's just the character of the Doctor being this sort of really positive person that doesn't like to use guns, does everything with their brain. Obviously, the new series has now got its release date. It's going to be out on October the 7th. It's moving to a Sunday, which apparently has caused constellation amongst people that are also still banging on about the fact that it's a woman that's playing the Doctor, which just move on with your lives. But for me, there's a few episodes. The bit, My probably favourite episodes are The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances, which is Christopher Eccleston. And I've said before on the podcast, Christopher Eccleston is the Doctor that made me fall in love with Doctor Who. I'd seen bits of it when I was little, mm. but when it came back and The Empty Child is the one where you've set in World War 2 and the monster is a little boy with a gas mask are you my mummy? oh fuck and it is just so that was when I realised that Doctor Who could be scary in the actual scary it's not just making you jump in actually creeping you out and then the second episode of that The Doctor Dances turns it all around it's one of the few episodes where the Doctor himself says everybody lives everybody lives and he saves everybody from essentially nanobots that have done this it's not Mm. actually like a monster and it's just Eccleston's performance in that the joy the just the smile on his face is just amazing and it's weird as well because I don't like Captain Jack as a character and obviously that's the episode that introduces Captain Mm. Jack but it is definitely one of my favourite episodes I also really love the 11th hour which is the first Matt Smith episode it's one of the first regeneration episodes where they actually fully get going. Normally it's a really slow episode, the Doctor's not really in it. Whereas Matt Smith just set himself up. He's probably my favourite overall Doctor. Most of these are his, so there's the 11th hour. A good man goes to war, where we find that's the one where we find out who River Song actually is. Hmm. And we see the Doctor lose his temper, which you don't see very often, and it's just a magical episode. And then... You've got like the trilogy of the Doctor. So you've got In the Name of the Doctor, which was the end of series seven, where we found out who Clara was, the impossible girl. The Day of the Doctor, which was the 50th anniversary special, which has got Tennant in it and John Hurt. And then The Time of the Doctor, which is Matt Smith's regeneration episode. 
all three of those episodes. So they're the ones that I've rewatched like this weekend, and they are just Matt Smith's performance. It goes from breaking your heart to making you smile to making you laugh. It's just, and that's again what's so good about Doctor Who: the way that it can be someone else, and it's a completely different interpretation, but it is still the Doctor. So yeah. Capaldi is nothing like Matt Smith, but you can see that interlock. You can see the character line in the yeah. tenant. Even going back to William Hartnell, you can see that through line through the now thirteen people that are going to have played that part. Well, fourteen if you include John Hurt. Um, it's just so good, and say it can just be so different. But say for me, the Matt Smith, say that trilogy is just absolutely phenomenal. It's just say just hearing the theme tune brings a smile to my face. Most of the ringtones on my phone are either Arthur or the Doctor. Mine are all Arthur. Well, I think they're all Arthur apart from Gemma. Her ringtone is the Doctor. Um, I used to have a TARDIS ringtone, but my phone is always on silent for text, so I don't have a a text tone anymore. But it's just, say, hearing the TARDIS go, I've got about 15 TARDISes in my house. Obviously not real ones. That would be amazing. But I just absolutely love Doctor Who, and it's just one of those things of, there's always an episode for the way you're feeling and it will always turn around because as I say it's always the Doctor wins by using his intellect and using the people around him to and making them the best that they can be so you've got Clara ends up doing things that she probably never thought she could do likewise with Amy or with Martha or Donna and obviously we're going to find we've got three new companions joining in October as well with Jodie Whittaker and it's going to be amazing to see how that journey continues but yeah I absolutely fucking love Doctor Who and you used to hate Doctor Who mm. and you used to mock me for liking Doctor mm. Who yeah I did and <clears throat> what was it that actually made you watch it in the end I just think you're constant nagging really because <laughs> I can remember you literally being like I don't know how we're friends because you like Doctor Who I um I was basing it all on the older um, Doctor Who's which I still maintain are shit um, see I love them because I love the Doctor but yeah. I appreciate that like, the production value etc is not brilliant um, and then I think yeah just after your sort of like constant nagging I watched uh, I watched it from you know Christopher Eccleston yeah because I feel like once I was see... around your house staying over or something and it was Doctor Who and you were like you can watch Doctor Who yeah um, I, d- I don't know. I, d- I think it was probably just you, you know, you going on and on and on about it um, and me finally watching it. I mean, I don't love it to the extent you are. I am incredibly excited about Jodie oh, Whittaker, though. I cannot wait. Um, I can't wait. And I do think that I'm possibly going to become obsessed with her um, as the Doctor because it's, yeah, it's just going to be amazing. And um, I I actually lost a bit of interest with Matt Smith. Matt, the Matt Smith um, one is the only sort of series I've never finished. Yeah. Um, the, his last couple, say, like, the three that I've named there, they're like his last three episodes, and they are just amazing. I watched all of uh, Christopher Eccleston. Um, David Tennant's my favourite. Matt Smith I found annoying, but I didn't like Amy Pond either which is possibly controversial um, because I know loads of people love both of those two but I just couldn't get along with it and I stopped watching and obviously then Peter Capaldi came in Malcolm Tucker um, and I love Malcolm Tucker and I know it's not the same person but um, and I kind of like fell in love with the Doctor again mm. um, and then now it's it's going to take yeah 
whole other It's very exciting times. Very, very exciting. Right. So that brings us on to the listeners. So I've got... So as I say, I've done a listener top... So it's not really a top five, it's a top amount. And then I've done an all-encompassing, including our top tens in there. So do you want both and we'll do the listeners first or do you just want one in particular? I I, I don't mind. If we go with listeners first... So this is what we do in the top five? So... These are the top five... I mean, essentially it's top three... Yeah. But there's more than three because there was joint votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in total, we had 113 films mm. given in to us. And remarkably, one, two, three, four, five. There were only seven films that came up more than once. That's, an, that's insane. Yeah, truly it is. So joint third, we've got four films on two votes. Mm. So we have The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. Okay. So quite a few people got in touch and said, like, The Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter and I were pushed back on everyone I was like no it needs to be a film yeah so that's why uh, Superman yep. the Christopher Reeve film Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back amazing <coughs> one, one of those must have been rich uh, and then Con Air fuck off Con Air got two wow. votes wow amazing I do love the fact that Con Air is there in the top uh, three joint votes. second on three votes is The Fellowship of the Ring okay and Blues Brothers yeah and then number one on four votes is Ghostbusters. I, I thought I actually thought my I thought that the the top couple <clears throat> film would be Goonies. Um, not one vote. What's wrong with people? It's um, not on yours either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I was doing like a top fifty or something, um, let me just check that. I me. thought um, I thought Goonies oh, no, or Goonies Go- came up once. Sorry, I thought Goonies or. Um, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, it's a good top two for Dan Aykroyd. Because obviously, he's in Blues Brothers and he wrote... So what... Those... Um, so, Blues Brothers, what was at number two? Fellowship of the Ring. So, we got a top five sent into us minutes before we started recording. So, that did affect it. Yeah, so it pushed Fellowship... Fellowship from joint third to joint second. Because Fellowship was in that. Interesting. Yeah. So, then, if we include ours... It doesn't have an impact on the top two, so it's still Ghostbusters out on four, Blues Brothers and Fellowship. It's just a lot more joint on two. So Avengers Assemble, Con Air, Fury Road, Jay and Silent Bob. Someone else said Fury Road? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Mary Poppins, Return of the King, Sound of Music, Superman, The Two Towers and Top Secret. So there was ten films. Wow, someone else said Top Secret as well. Yeah. Surprisingly, it was my mate Tom (laughs) (laughs) that we always talk about at the pub. Um, Um, So, yeah, so that is... So the ultimate comfort movie is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, which was on neither of our lists. Interesting, eh? Interesting indeed. So, yeah, so thanks everyone for getting involved. We did ask for people's reasons, but obviously, as mentioned, we have a lot of films, so we can't go... For the most part, a lot of it was people talking about the nostalgia, it taking them to a good place just taking them back to a time in their lives where they really enjoyed it. And for some people, it's just, it's bloody funny. I love it. It's just a really good film. Now, obviously, you've seen all of the films that were submitted. I haven't. Were there any on there that really surprised you? Well, well, I can run through a couple. So Before Sunrise was a bit of a shock to me. I've not seen it, but it didn't strike me as a comfort kind of film. Uh, Eight Mile. Uh, Yeah, I like Eight Mile. I could see someone... Popping that on and having a little sing-along to that. Yeah, Bridget Jones came up. Yeah, I totally get that. 
Dead Poet Society. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, top Harry Potter was Deathly Hallows. That was the only Deathly Hall. Sorry, Deathly Hallows and the first one were the only ones that got any votes. I think because I pushed people, they didn't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fifth Element popped up, which is a film I love, but I don't know how to call it in my comfort films. Uh, the Greatest Showman did come up a couple of times. High Society. Mm. Uh, Hunger Games. Legend, which we talked about last week, has yep. got a Ridley Scott. Mannequin, Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Napoleon Dynamite. I feel shit. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Practical Magic, Princess Bride, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Are you just going to read them all out? I'm just reading out ones that jump out at me. So I married an actor. Severance, the Danny Dyer film. Amazing. <laughs> uh, the Mask, The Rock. Uptown Girls, Wayne's World 1 and 2, White Men Can't Jump, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. I would say if we were sort of like doing top 20s, then Willy Wonka would have been enough for me. Mm. That scene where he eats the teacup. Oh, oh I thought I thought that teacup looked so damn tasty. Yeah. That's the bit you just want to get in that room, don't you? Yeah. Lick that wallpaper. <laughs> oh. get, get in that fucking river. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You'd get stuck in the tube. I wouldn't make it in the tube. I get stuck right at the bottom. He gets halfway up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd end up with like my ass stuck in it, so my head was out and my legs were out. I'd just be like, Aah. oh, I see. Yeah, we'll just <clears throat> go up bum first, like a breech yeah. birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that brings us along to our Kex files. Yeah. So, Son, would you like to crack on with your Kex files? I can see it on the desk in front of you. Yeah, I brought it along because I like to show the listeners uh, what I've been watching. <laughs> um, so, with the Kex files, we obviously... Um, so, we go to CEX to find a film for 50p related to the subject we're buying. Now, with comfort films, we know what our comfort films are. You can't Indeed. go and predict something's going to be a comfort film. So, like, how are we going to do this? So, we decided we'd let someone else pick a comfort film for us that we hadn't seen. Um, and... One of the guys that I work with, um, I was initially going to um, ask Graham who I work with, but he was off on the day that I went back. Um, and so my um, my work bestie, Paul, um, chose Caddyshack for me. Uh, which I've seen I, it. So I hadn't seen it, obviously. Um, and it was funny because um, Paul picked it for me. It's obviously one of his, his favourite films. He's like, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Um, and I was I went uh, for breakfast with my dad yesterday and um, I was talking to him about it and I said to him oh um, Paul picked Caddyshack for me my dad just literally sat there and quoted Caddyshack at me for like a good sort of like 15 minutes and was just laughing his head off kind of just because obviously lots of people have very fond mm-hmm. um, thoughts on this film Um and I and I can see why I th- I you know I just thought it was like really enjoyable. It's basically just the shenanigans that a group of very different people get up to at a golf club, you know. Yeah. So you have got the people that they're that you know you've got the sort of like well-to-do members who like to follow all the rules. You have got the members uh, so you have got Rodney Dangerfield playing a character who's got a lot of money but is very sort of like uncouth. Um, you have got Bill Murray's character who's trying to catch a gopher. Um, like a proper original like goofball comedy type. Yeah, it? It, it really, really is. I mean, it's just so stupid. I mean, I had seen one of the scenes. I'd seen the swimming pool scene um, with the chocolate bar floating in the water and they all get out because they think it's a turd. I had seen that scene um, 
because I've got a feeling when when me and my dad were talking about it yesterday morning, I said to my dad, I was just like, I've got a feeling that you might have shown me that scene, and he was just like, totally, I would have shown you that scene <laughs> because, um, you know, it's a poo joke, <laughs> you know yeah. that that just obviously appeals to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, last last episode I had a good kex file where I actually had a kex file which I'd got and enjoyed, and um, yeah, Caddyshack, I can definitely. Um, I'd definitely watch Caddyshack again, um, and I can definitely see why it's um, why it would be someone's comfort film. Did it did it come up on any lists? No, no. Um, it was not mentioned at all. Well, it kind of is now because Paul yeah. picked it. He obviously didn't contribute to the podcast. Well, he did because he bought me a Kex file. Did you actually send him in to get it as well? He bought a copy of it for me. Yeah. 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 Paul paid for that going to reimburse him nope you're going in the petty cash with the 32 grand for that hotel in Cannes Dan can reimburse him <laughs> yeah so on to my Kex file so <laughs> Kex files for me have become a source of embarrassment because some of the films I've been watching that I've not seen it's just ridiculous that I haven't seen them so originally Steve was going to pick my Kex file because we work together and we have similar taste and it turns out we have very similar taste because there was only one film on his list that I hadn't seen and it was £1.50 in Kex so therefore I could not watch it so in the end I you could have watched it you just oh, yeah. couldn't have had it I, as a Kex it could not be I borrowed it off him what was it? Uh, a Bronx Tale oh okay it's interesting uh, a Robert De Niro film his directorial debut apparently well how about that um, I borrowed it on Blu-ray um, so I ended up going with Rob who I also work with and Sonia's looking at me with disdain because she can read what I've written. Oh, Rob from ASOS? Yes. Okay. Yeah, not your Rob, my Rob. Although I think... I thought thought you were talking about someone else. Yeah, I think I was getting them confused with someone else, but yeah. What what film did they pick? Blues Brothers. Yeah. What was my reaction? You haven't seen that, you fucking cretin. (laughs) I feel like that's softer than the original (laughs) response you gave me. So yeah, so I, I think your Rob might have had it on his list as well because obviously it came second it had three votes um, and I can see why because it is fucking amazing I don't I know why I can't believe you haven't seen the Blues Brothers before I, I I, feel like watching it I've possibly been in the room when it's been on because I recognise it but I don't know if that's just because where it's been parodied or it's been in the Simpsons but yeah I from start to finish I mean for me the highlight was any bit with Ray Charles in it I loved his bits where they're like talking to him and he pulls the gun on that kid who he couldn't obviously possibly see because he's blind. Mm. And the bit where they're handing out posters and everyone's putting out their posters and he obviously puts his on upside down because he's blind and that just really got me because it's just, he's put it on upside down. But I, yeah, obviously the songs are amazing. Dan Aykroyd and James Belushi. Is that the, John Belushi? Which one is it? John Belushi you know I don't know people's names a great as Elwood and Jake Blues obviously the famous quote it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses it's just possibly the finest car chases ever committed to film because they are so shit it's just the first one where they end up in a mall and they just hit every shop they take out every stand and it is just constant like donutting and losing control and then the second one where all hell breaks loose there's a massive pile up there's a speed-esque bit where a car goes off the ramp and somehow after going off the ramp it ends up about 600 feet in the air and just (laughs) falls straight down (laughs) it's just so ridiculous 
and just like the randomness of Carrie Fisher's character who is just for some obviously we find out in the film but at the start she's just trying to kill them she's firing rocket launchers at their hotel and rendering it rubble and they both just get up dust themselves mm. down and walk off that there's no like, yeah. what the fuck is going on there's just we've got to get to work and they go to work and it's just just absolutely joyously ridiculously brilliant it's just yeah absolutely loved it I 100% will be rebuying it because obviously this is a catch file so I, we will be giving it away at some point it's not mine to keep but I'm definitely going to want to buy it because I can see this becoming one of my comfort films because yeah. I watched it and it just I smiled pretty because it's over two hours long as well which is it really yeah when it when I saw it, it was like two, I was like oh god but it just whips by in an instant. You know me, it's just... not liking anything over 90 minutes. I've watched Blues Brothers so many times, I had no idea it was that long. So that's a yeah, good, like... good sign. Yeah, it's, it's, just... um, it's a film I remember watching with my dad and my brother when I was younger. Yeah, um, I think it was on your dad's list as well. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, just so ridiculous. But so, the music's really good. There's just ridiculous... Because rid... I think... It'd probably come across in everything I've mentioned. I love stupid comedy like Naked Gun, like Top Secret, where it is just sight humour or just ridiculousness. And this is what that film has got as well. Mm. It's just utterly mental. But yeah, I would... It's pr- definitely the best Kex file I've had. I think I I, I would... <clears throat> yeah, it's say it's 100% one that I want to rebuy. Possibly in Blu-ray. I'll have to look up whether it's actually any good on Blu-ray or whether it's just worth getting it on DVD. Yeah, There's no point know. getting it on Blu-ray if it... There's a website I use which sort of tells you if like the actual transfer is any good. Yeah. But yeah, 100% absolutely loved it. Best cake trial I've had. Nice. Yeah. High praise indeed. So that brings us to an end of comfort films. What a cracking uh, subject that was. <clears throat> it's a lovely old time we've had. Yeah. So all that's left is to draw next week's topic out oh, of yeah. the hat. Let's give it... We've had some new fedora um, shake. We've had some new uh, subjects put in. Some people have got in touch. We've had a request to have Tom Cruise put in the hat, and he's quite small. He'd probably fit. Um, <laughs> and Emma Thompson has gone in the hat. Exciting times. That's me giving the hat a little shake. There you go, dear. Oh, I might pick him. Get your hands stuck in there. Oof, I, I tried to go over the microphone, but that did not end well. Let's go for. It's a yellow one. Is that so me? That means it's you. Rom-coms. Yeah! Another two weeks Fuck. of laughs. It's basically your life, isn't it? I've well, put, yeah, I've I've been put, watching a lot of these with Gemma, yes. I've put some proper shit categories in here that I just knew you'd love. So, oh, everyone secretly loves a rom-com. Well, don't get me wrong, I love a rom-com. So yeah. what are you looking for from me or the viewers, the, the listeners? Well, favourite rom-coms. Just watch rom-coms. So That's you're it, looking... basically. We're just going to talk about rom-coms. I think it's a... The reason I put rom-coms in the hat is I think, and I've I've been very guilty of it myself over the years, is I think that it's a, uh, a genre, if you like, that can be poo-pooed. Yes, um, it's definitely like looked down upon by a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think there are some very very good examples. And also, I'd, like, I'd just like to hear other people's... Um, recommendations mm. as well because um, they churn them out don't they yeah I mean there was there are some which are absolutely dog shit as well I do feel like you'd probably be in quite a good position to maybe give us a list of five worst rom-coms because um, I feel like you've possibly watched a lot yeah um, watched is basically I've been in a room with them on yeah 
Um, but yeah, I th- I just think as a as a a uh, are we calling it a genre? I'd call it a yeah. genre. Yeah, as a genre, I think it can be poo pooed a lot. But I think I think possibly are... because, like I said, they churn them out, and probably six out of ten probably are poor, and it's just oh yeah, this will be alright. Whereas it's finding that four out of ten yeah. and actually sort of sifting through. Yeah, so I'd like to know, um, you know, we're talking about the films and I think we'll probably have maybe have a look at some actors and actresses which are probably big on the old rom-com yeah. scene. We'll have a little look at that. Maybe people can get in touch and let us know who they enjoy seeing in rom-coms. Yeah, who would you like to be in a rom-com with? Yeah. Your fantasy rom-com. Not slash yeah. fiction though. Um, what? So are we talking about two actors that we'd like to see together? In no, you would be who, the who person. Would, yeah. So who would, who would we be, be the opposite? man opposite you, and who would obviously we know who the woman opposite me would be. Possibly. Natalie or Sandra. Oh God. <laughs> well, who, who are you thinking? I, I was thinking Natalie, but yeah. No, it's Sandra. Sandra Bullock's the, Sandra's the rom-com, rom-com girl. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. the funny one. When's Natalie Portman ever been funny? She's been in a rom-com. What? No strings attached. Oh yeah, with Ashton. Yeah, almost certainly will probably be on my list of talking about next week. I, you watch that one. I'll watch the one with Justin and Mila. Oh, just friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sonia is doing the sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know someone like that. But anyway, um, yeah, cool. Sweet. Nice one. Rom coms. Anything else to say? Oh, the social no, media. Social stuff. media. So we are Theatrical Cut Pod on Instagram. And theatricalcut at gmail.com if you want to get in touch to let us know about your on-coms. We won't bother with the Twitter. I'm Prefax on both Instagram and Twitter. Sonia, you are? Mallory underscore watches on Instagram. I don't bother with Twitter. Um, and... The mother pod. Mother pod. T-M-T-O-O-H on the Instagram. Yeah. 2-M-T-O-O-H on the Twitter. They've got, um, I think, a new news pod up. Yep. Um, and they've also recorded a slash fiction pod Terry and I didn't really know what slash fiction was but they've written some fan fiction Um, so head over and give that a listen Uh, anything else Terry do you need to say no I'm all done done? I'm all happy yeah lovely and we're going to be happy again I think watching some rom-coms you might be happier than me not because I don't like a rom-com just because of some of the ones I'm probably because I'll go home and say to Gemma have we're you watching, got any rom-coms? Yeah, we're watching rom-coms and the barrage will begin. Yeah, you can get that folder of DVDs out. Yeah, the folder of Doom. Yeah, defo. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you later. Mike, drop. Drop.